It'll do. People will uh, be looking at uh, Exodus chapter uh, 15 today, so you can get yourselves organised. And we'll be starting from uh, verse 22. But uh, I wonder if uh, any of you are like me, uh, and you sometimes start something full of enthusiasm... And you get a really clear picture of where you want to end up. But along the way, you run into trouble. Things start going wrong and you start grumbling. Um, It gets too hard. You wish you'd never started and you just give up. It might might be that jigsaw puzzle where there's um, a clear picture on the lid that shows you what the puzzle's supposed to look like and you tip out the thousand pieces and you find the four corners and put them in place and all the straight edges and put them in a pile and then it all just gets too hard and you start grumbling and you give up. You might be in year 11 and got a really clear picture of uh, what UAI you need to get to get into university to start that career. And you started the year well with a brand new lever arch folder and 400 line day, four pages and new pens. But now seven months in, there's, um, uh, there's assessment tasks and there's exams. And all your mates that left in year 10, they're all driving their own cars because they've got a job and they're watching TV. And you start grumbling and you feel like giving up. Um, or it could be that you planned a car trip to Melbourne holidays and the car's packed and all the kids are excited. Everything's going well. But you've left Dubbo and you're almost to Peak Hill when the kids start grumbling. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And it's a long way to go. And you wish you'd never started. I think Israel's a little bit like that in today's passage. Uh, They started strongly... um, Uh, But when they came into trouble, they uh, started grumbling and they gave up. Sometimes it can be like that in our own Christian lives. Is it sometimes really tough for you and you feel like giving up? Today we'll also be looking at Hebrews and uh, looking at some encouragement, uh, the the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament, which gives us some encouragement about how to keep going when things are tough. First, let's Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that uh, in the Old Testament uh, you have a record of how you dealt with your nation uh, Israel, your chosen people. Help us to see how Israel's history is a blueprint for us uh, and the way that you uh, provide and the plans that you have for us. May your spirit convince us that we should respond to you correctly. Lord, give us the strength not to give up on you. Amen. So we're in Exodus, uh, Exodus 15 and verse 22. Uh, Israel has started out on a journey full of confidence after their warrior God uh, brought them through the Red Sea and totally destroyed their enemies. And they're heading to a great place that God has prepared for them, the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. 
Now, three days into the journey, things aren't going as they'd imagined. Pick it up there in Exodus 15, verse 22. Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they travelled in the desert without finding water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. People, Israel is in serious trouble here. In the desert, three days in, no water. When they eventually find water, the water is bitter. What do they do? Read on, verse 24. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Look, only four days earlier, they were trapped between the Red Sea on one side, Pharaoh's chariots bearing down on them the other side. They were in real trouble then. But God miraculously delivered them through the Red Sea. Now, four days later, they are in trouble, real trouble again. But what do they do? They grumble. What should have they done? Well, Moses knows what to do. Press on, verse 25. Then Moses cried out to the Lord. See, Moses knows what to do. When you're in trouble, ask God. Pray. That's the correct response for us also when we're overwhelmed by circumstances around us. What does God do about it? Pick it up again in 25. Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet and skipped down to 27. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees and they camped near the water. See, God has got it figured out. Not only does he provide them for them by turning that bitter water into sweet water, but he also gives them rest near abundant water, near what sounds like the Elam Holiday Resort, with palm trees and springs. Now, we skipped over a bit there in 25 to 26, I'm sure you noticed. Let's go back and pick that up. So chapter 15, 25 and 26, the second half of 25, there, the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. You see, there's a test about to take place. And God announces that test. He says, if you listen carefully, if you pay attention. You see, God's not setting up a test here that he wants the Israelites to fail. But he's setting up a test that will prepare them for the journey that's ahead of them. So that when the tough times come, and they will, they will rely on him. And they won't grumble. And they won't give up. Let's see, let's see how they do uh, when they actually sit this test. Let's see whether they do uh, follow God's instructions. Pick it up now in uh, Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. Will they trust and obey? Let's have a look. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. 
the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. People, uh, this time they're grumbling again. Now it's food, but still grumbling. But even worse than that, see what they did there in verse 3? They've forgotten how bad it was in Israel, in Egypt. They've forgotten the oppression and the slavery. And they've stopped believing that God has got prepared for them a land flowing with milk and honey. But what does God do about it? 16 verse 4, the Lord says to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. I mean, God is gracious and he's merciful and faithful and he's patiently providing for his people even though they are being so rude and arrogant to him. But now we're getting to the test. Second half of verse 4, I will rain down bread from heaven for you The people are to go out each day and gather enough food for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other two days. Here God is testing whether they will follow his instructions. His instructions are plain about how people are to gather their food and, and when they're to gather it. And Moses clearly passes on those instructions to the people in the next few verses from 6 down to 10. True to his word, God's faithful, he sends the manna. The people have heard how they're to gather it, when they're to gather it. Let's see if they follow these instructions. We'll go over to chapter 16, 19 and, uh, and 20. Chapter 16, verse 19. The men has arrived, the people have gone out and gathered it. Verse 19. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses and they kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. And so Moses was angry with them. The simple instruction about not keeping it not keeping the men overnight, they couldn't follow. Slightly more complex about gathering twice as much on the day before Sabbath and keeping that overnight because they'd be done the next day. See how they got on with this one? Verse 26, six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Did they pass the test? No, they haven't listened carefully to God's instructions. They haven't followed his, uh, his way of doing things. They have not trust, trusted God and they have not obeyed his word. So God writes out the report card. Have a look in verse 28. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Now the you here refers to the nation Israel and not in particular to Moses. But we can see God is getting, uh, um, getting rather annoyed at these people, running out of patience. How long will you refuse to keep my commands? 
Well, that's Israel being tested, but there's actually another type of testing going on here. Start reading again at chapter 17 uh, and from verse 1. We'll read seven verses here. Chapter 17, verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the uh, desert of Sin, travelling from place to place, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarrelled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, Walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you at the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock. Water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Here, people, we start to get an idea of the second type of testing that's going on in this passage. Moses knows what's going on. Um, there in verse second half of verse 2, Moses says, Why do you put the Lord to the test? He knows this is beginning to test God's patience. 17.7, he understands what's going on and he says, You've been testing the Lord by saying in your hearts, Is the Lord really among us? Israel is testing God. Not testing to see whether God can perform some sort of miracle, like, hey, God, try this one. But Moses recognises that Israel is grumbling and quarrelling as a symptom of them not trusting God. They've given up on God. Israel has taken their eyes off God and are focusing on the problems around them. Israel is testing God by doubting his presence and his provision for them. Despite all the evidence that God has given them, that he has a plan, that he will provide for them, they are grumbling and grumbling and grumbling, failing to to obey clear instructions and giving up. Now they're saying... Is the Lord among us or not? I wish we were back in Egypt. This is enough to test God's patience. How long before God says enough is enough? You know, um, a parent's patience can be tested probably a bit quicker than God's. Uh, Imagine you're in that car trip to Melbourne. You've progressed a bit further now, probably about West Wylong. And the kids are being really ratty, and um, the I Spy game has ended. I, I Spy with my little eye game has ended up with tears in little eyes, and they're quarrelling and they're grumbling. And Mum glares in the rear vision mirror and says, "Don't you make me stop this car and get out and slap you." And you know that's a warning. 
Well, the scriptures are a bit like that. There is a warning here about God's patience. And this passage about Israel's history is recorded as a warning, firstly to the nation Israel and also to us. Psalm 95, you heard it read earlier. Let's flick over there now, Psalm 95. Now, Psalm 95 was written uh, many years after the Exodus uh, incident, uh, but it was written to the nation Israel as a warning. There in the first half of the psalm, the psalmist is praising God and acknowledging all the great things God has done. Verse 6, come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord God our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture. But then the warning comes from verse 8. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on, on oath, in my anger, they will never enter my rest. God is patient, but don't continue to test his patience. In Exodus, God brought the entire nation of Israel out of Egypt. They all started on that journey, but Israel grumbled and they gave up and that whole generation never made it to the promised land. God warned them, he stopped the car, he got out and kicked them out. We've seen that uh, the psalm is, is written as a warning for, uh, uh, for Israel to not repeat the mistakes of the people during the Exodus, but it's also a warning for us. And we can see that in Hebrews. If you turn over to the New Testament now, getting towards the end, in Hebrews uh, chapter 3, you see, we need a warning as well. Because just like Israel, we're not there yet. We're still in the in-between place. In Exodus, Israel were slaves in Egypt, rescued through the Passover, their enemies defeated in the Red Sea, and on their way to the Promised Land. But they weren't there yet. We have been rescued by Jesus, our enemy defeated by the resurrection. We're waiting for his return... And the warning for us is don't give up, don't grumble between salvation and heaven because we're not there yet. Hebrews 3, starting at verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. We've heard this before, haven't we? This is straight out of the psalm. The same warning to us. Where your fathers tested and tried me for 40 years they saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my way. So I declared on oath in my anger, 
they shall never enter my rest. Um, we'll read, read some more. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, so long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence that we had at first. People, because we're not there yet, because we're still in in-between times, we need a travelling plan. And uh, Hebrews can help us with this. We need to remember where we have come from. We need to recognise where we're going, uh, sorry, recognise where we are, and to realise where we're going. People, we need to remember where we've come from. Israel, it seems, had a very poor memory. They had forgotten the cruel oppression and slavery that was in Egypt, and they wanted to turn around and go back there. Hebrews 3.12 says to us, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. The writer to the Hebrews warns us, don't turn away from God. If you've started with God, stay with him. We should be clear about what we have been saved from. We should learn to hate and despise what we once were before we came to Christ. When circumstances are not what we expect, when the Christian walk is tough and we feel like giving up and attempted to turn back to our old ways, remember where we came from, remember the cost at which we were rescued, and we'll be more determined to press on. But people, we also need to recognise where we are now. Israel was between the Passover and the Promised Land. And as Christians, we're between the rescue and the return. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 talks about today. Verse 13, but encourage one another as long as it is called today. Today, that's now and in these times. People, we have already been rescued. That was yesterday. But now, today, we are waiting patiently for his return. God waits, and God waits graciously, delaying his return so that more might be rescued. As we wait today, in these times, we can expect trouble. Trouble will come. Expect to face hardship. Whether it's suffering just as a result of living in a fallen world still tainted by the consequences of sin, with sickness and death, or whether it's um, testing that comes as a direct result of persecution because of our faith. Either way, testing will come, hard times will come, but they are not without a purpose. James reminds us that uh, testing develops perseverance, and perseverance leads to maturity. And we should not grumble, but we should consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. That's what will happen today in these times. And if we recognise where we are today in sinful times, 
then we should encourage each other. Hebrews uh, chapter 3.13 tells us to do that. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. People, we should spur each other on. Help somebody out who is struggling. Do you know someone who has been alienated from their family since they became a Christian? Well, then encourage them. Say to them, sister, when you become a Christian... Christ began a great work in you. You turned your back on your old lifestyle and your old thinking. Look how far God has brought you. Even your family doesn't recognise you now. And yes, they've turned their back on you. And I know that sometimes you feel that God has taken your family away. But don't give up. Press on. Student, I know that you honour those in authority over you at school and you obey their rules. Others bring their mobile phones and never get caught. Their assignments are plagiarised. All your work is your own. They get better marks than you and they never get caught. Don't grumble. Keep on honouring God by honouring those in authority. Brother, um, I know that you speak boldly about Jesus to your colleagues and I know that you're ridiculed in your workplace. Keep going. Don't give up. Hold firmly till the end the confidence you had at first. You see, we need to encourage each other because it's all about the end. You see it there in verse 14. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end. And so we need to realise where we're going. We need to realise what the end is. You see, Israel was headed to a land flowing with milk and honey, but they lost that vision and they gave up. But there is an end to our struggling and the testing of today. There is a resting place for us, and we need to persevere. We have a room reserved for us in the Father's mansion, and we have a place around the throne of the ruler of the universe. We have rest in a place where there is no more death or mourning or crying or pain. If we keep our eyes firmly on the the goal and hold firmly till the end, Keep in mind where we're going. People, God rescued all of Israel from Egypt. But when the testing came, they grumbled and they gave up. They tested God's patience by doubting his presence and his plan, despite all that he'd done for them. And not all of them made it to the promised land. People, let us make sure that we make it. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let's pray. Father God, um, once we were um, slaves to the kingdom of darkness and uh, we had no hope of escape by ourselves, 
no amount of trying to do good could, uh, could free us from that kingdom. Yet, Father, your, uh, your son Jesus came to rescue us, rescued us uh, as a Passover lamb, purchased us, purchased us with his own blood. And his resurrection, Lord, uh, defeated our enemy death. And, Father, we know that you have a place reserved for us in heaven and that your son will return. In these in-between times, Lord, today, between your rescue and your return, teach us how to live. May your spirit uh, convince us of what is ahead of us, remind us of what is behind us, and may we uh, encourage each other so that uh, none of us might fall. Amen.